Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Wyndham Garden Lafayette. And by Sheward & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Chellers Wine Market in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with creative consultant Aileen Bennett. Hi, I'm Aileen Bennett. Welcome to Out to Lunch. There's a lot of talk these days about artificial intelligence. Economists and pundits are betting on who's still going to have a job in 20 years and who's going to be replaced by a robot or an algorithm. Some say the jobs most likely to disappear are taxi drivers, Uber and truck drivers. Others say it's tax preparers and loan officers. As an illustration of how difficult it can be to predict how all of this is going to go, you could look at the strangely similar fate of office receptionists and radio personalities. It wasn't that long ago that the person who answered the phone at your business was vitally important. To many customers, the office receptionist was the face of your entire company. Today, all of us have had the experience of calling the business and having a conversation with a robot. If you think you're frustrated by this development, imagine how much more difficult life is for Jamie Hopper. Jamie is president of a company called Dexcom. Dexcom is a communications company that specializes in answering the phone for businesses. It's an answer service. Jamie bought the company when the world was a lot different in 1989. There were 15,000 answering services in the country then. Now there are 150. Jamie, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. In 1909, an Italian inventor, Marconi, won the Nobel Prize for inventing radio. Right. In the past 109 years, radio has an immeasurable effect on all of us. It created the concept of mass market. For the first time, you could talk directly to hundreds, then thousands, then millions of people. And you could sell them stuff, including <laughs> records and political ideas. Radio became so powerful that the United States government created the Federal Communications Commission to regulate it. Today, radio continues to evolve. Beyond Marconi-style broadcasting, we now get radio delivered to us via satellite, the internet, and we listen to it on demand as podcasts on devices that are no longer actually radios. For over 25% of the last century of this evolution of radio, that is, for the last 25 plus years, Mike Grimsley has been an eyewitness and a key player. Today, Mike is Regional Vice President and General Manager of Town Square Media, overseeing 19 radio stations in Lafayette, Lake Charles and Shreveport. Mike, welcome to Out to Lunch. Well, thank you. Jamie, as I mentioned earlier, when you started out, there were 15,000 answering services in the country. Now there are 150, and you're one of them. You could presumably stay in business by adapting to the changes and providing the automated robots that answer phones now, or as you've done, you can stay in business by continuing to provide human beings. To do that, I imagine you have to find the shrinking slice of the market for whom human beings on the end of a phone is essential, and provide them cheaper than automated services. How are you doing that? Well, unfortunately, we can't compete with automated services on price, but what we have to do is compete with them on service. And there are a lot of people out there that do want to talk or do need to talk to a human. And so that's where we're always going to be different than the, the robot or the artificial intelligence. A lot of 
communications now are being done by the artificial intelligence is having a huge impact on the communications industry. It used to be you would press one for this and, and it was very, uh, very simple, but now it's gotten to where the, they actually learn and if there's a campaign running and they hear responses, they can change their questions as they hear more and more people, as they talk to more and more people, the, the, the robots, the artificial intelligence will actually adapt. And that's tremendous for those large call centers that are doing mass campaigns. But for uh, the service that's dealing with a small company, a company that, uh, the, the oil field business, that, that has a, an oil rig that, that if the oil rig is down, it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. They can't take a chance on a machine getting it wrong. They need a human that's going to be in the loop and be able to escalate and make sure they're going to get it right. And now you're finding companies moving back to human beings. I see ads now that say a real person will answer the phone. And are you finding there's a reaction against that and people are going back to direct human contact? We've always had a big demand from people who want the human contact. And so what we've always tried to do is embrace the technology and not be threatened by it. When email came along, they said email is going to hurt answering services. Well, now we deliver messages via email. They said people are going to forward to their cell phone and they won't use an answering service anymore. Well, we deliver messages to cell phones now. We, the people said texting is going to change answering service. Well, we do a lot of texting. We receive text. We deliver message via text. And so we embrace the technology. We use it, but we still have the human, the voice on the phone. And that's what makes all the difference. And that's what helps us survive. Yes, that's applause from Mike in the background. Mike, one of the original limitations of radio also gave it its primary force. And that was the concept of local. A radio signal could only go so far, and because of that, we had local stations with local personalities and programs tailored to particular communities. Correct. Today, a small number of companies control a large number of radio stations. The company you work for, Town Square, is the third largest of these in the country, with 317 stations. Very good. One of the benefits of that scale is that a business can replicate the same product in different markets. And In radio terms, a classic rock station in St. Louis can sound exactly like a classic rock station in Lafayette. However, what that does is destroy that concept of local radio. Here in Acadiana, perhaps more than anywhere in the country, we're fiercely proud of our local roots and our uniqueness. Through all the changes you've seen and the corporate evolution of radio, how do you balance the business demands of a head office and the local demands of an Acadiana audience? What a, what a great question, but I, I, Aileen, you, you've actually given me so many things to talk about, I'll try and filter through. I'll just sit back for the rest of the show. Well, <laughs> but you're right, radio strength is and always has been local, live, and, and relevant. And that's what we try and do. And I'm very proud to say that in Lafayette, I have 23 full-time DJs. That's what people know them as. And if What I, do you call them in the business, if you say that's what we know well, them they, as? Well, they like to be called on-air talent. On-air talent. Yes. And they are. They're very talented people. But um, I, I could, with the flip of a switch, cut the payroll and automate all of it with satellite delivered shows, voice tracked shows or whatever from our other stations and stuff like that. But we've grown and had so much growth, I think, at Town Square because we believe in old time radio, live, local, and people. Because what people do with radio is they have a relationship. So when you listen to 
CJ and Deb every morning. Well, you feel like you know them within a month. And if you've been listening to them for 10 years, they've been there 23. So if they've been there that long, you have a relationship. And especially now that radio has moved over, they have to do social media, they have to write articles, they make videos. They've had to translate into all of that as well as doing so being correct. their talent. That's, and you know, that, that's the, you're, you're exactly right. And we actually, and I don't want to make it sound like a jail because I think it's a great place to work, but <laughs> we did have to implement the standards it's like okay guys social media is for real so we need two posts a day over here i need one post a day over here i need an instagram doing it to to force them to do it because that's the way people connect now you know when i was on the air you had to answer the request line nobody calls it's an email it's a facebook message it's an instagram it's whatever and there are lots of people now that know them on social media and don't listen to them on the radio it's exactly become... yes this that's just the way. So it, it has changed, and I think really it, it – you, you were so right. I didn't realize when you are saying that what Dexcom did, but it, what a great pair we are because I, I, I was applauding what he said because I am one of those people that when I call and it's a machine, I want to hang up, but I, I have no choice. I need something. But when I can get a human, it's so much better. So I think radio is the same. When I can get somebody that's live – local, living there, looking out the window, seeing the weather the same as you are or whatever it may be, then I've got somebody I can connect with. And that's what it's about, you know, is that relationship with the listener. Yeah. Your, your point is exactly right. That's what business is about. That's that's what humanity is about, though, is connections, is relationships. And, people and so do far, business with people they like, whether yeah. that's listening to a radio or booking a, a service. It, and, but it's, it's more than that. And, and we've lost so much of that because of all this... Uh, Facebook or social media, everybody, everything is done online, and, and yeah. we've, we've lost looking somebody in the face, shaking somebody's hand, and it's it's the the world is changing, and I don't think for the better. There are lots of things that are good because you can you can reach mass audiences and you can connect with a lot of people, but that personal touch is just so important to humanity. And you're that personal touch for lots of different businesses. How do you, how does that work? How do I come with my business and say, right, I need you to answer the phone. Do you, do you have different messages for each business, different styles? Is one more casual, one more serious? How well, does it work when I come to you Absolutely true. I mean, we answer for funeral homes, which require a very dignified, compassionate uh, response. Uh, we also answer for, uh, heck, OBGYNs and pediatricians. We, we answer people that are calling from the birth of a child all the way through the, the hospice and the and the, the So the if burial. I work for you, am I taking a funeral home call one minute and then a doctor's call, or am I staying on the same thing? No, we have a, a variety of customers, and so when that's one of the things that our, our staff likes is that it is a variety of work, and so they may be on a funeral home call and then a medical call, and then we do have a different group that handles the oil field call and and the AC and heating companies and and such as that where the, the calls are jobs and it's business for somebody because those calls are a little bit different because we're trying to close help somebody close the sale. And you actually have staff here in Lafayette that sit at desks and answer those calls. It's oh, not a bot I, in some other country. No, absolutely. Our, our, our service is in Lafayette. Well, actually, we're up in Cairncrow, 
but we're, we're just off the interstate. We're, we're, yeah, we're, we're locally based, and, and we do have a few operators that work out of their homes, but they come into the office at least three days a month and they so they can connect. Because, once again, we had some people that worked remotely, and if they stayed remote, they lost that connection with their co-workers, and, mm -hmm. and it was really hard. And Mike's so, nodding viciously in the background. Because it just made a huge difference. They, they said it was the hermit factor. Right. And that's what one of them right. said about herself. She said, I became a hermit, and I need to get into the office and connect with my co-workers. And, and let me tell you where I think that ties into the whole conversation we're, we're having here is that they, they become the hermit, and they lose that skill and that connection, okay? Well, what did we all see, or hopefully all saw, with our own children? Mine are now 26 and 27. But what happened with social media and stuff, I taught my kids how to walk in, look somebody in the eye, shake their hands, nice to meet you, whatever it may be, you know, whatever you want to say, glad you're in my home, whatever. But then all of a sudden I just noticed they're walking into somebody's house and their head's down. They want to text them, but they don't have their phone. So it's like they lose what what he just talked about you know the the verbal connection and that's what 80 percent of communication is nonverbal. so if i don't look you in the eye do you trust me are you comfortable are you nervous or what i guarantee you you're one of those things yes and that's not good because we want to make friends you're listening to out to lunch i'm aileen bennett i'm talking with mike grimsley from town square media and jamie hopper from dexcom we'll be back after this very brief break You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with Mike Grimsley from Town Square Media and Jamie Hopper from Dexcom. And you're both working a lot over, over the air in some ways, and you can tell when people are smiling and when they're being genuine. Jim, do you have a way of training your staff it, to it, do that? We, we do. In fact, we have a, a class. In fact, I, I teach it on listening, and I talk about the importance of the, the nonverbal communication and how that listening for a smile and... and uh, exactly what you said that so much of communication is nonverbal and so you listen for timbre and you listen for volume and so you can hear if somebody's frustrated or if they're angry if they're worried and so so many of these callers if, if it's a hospice call well of course you can tell going in that they're likely to be afraid or, or, or worried and so then you can pick up on their tone of voice very quickly and you can be empathetic you can be compassionate but again, it's, it's all a part of listening, and so you're not face-to-face -face with them, so you have to concentrate very carefully on the call and be engaged with that caller so that you can get exactly what the message needs to be. Because we put in more than just what the caller says. We try to put in the whole message. Mike, I know, Mike, your philosophy is your, you, your job isn't to be the boss. Your job is to teach. Right. And is How that you know that? Oh, research, research, research. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, but, but really, think about it, Aileen. What is the most important job of anybody's boss? To teach them to be better. I, I teach a class to two different groups every week on leadership. And so I'm trying to pass on leadership skills to my two senior management teams, but I'm also trying to teach them how to pass on leadership skills to the next level. And Jamie, you wrote a book on a guidebook to happiness. Tell uh, us, tell us about how we become happy. Happiness and is he wrote and, the and book more, on it literally. More wine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, happiness uh, is a is a journey, 
and it's not a destination. Mm -hmm. And uh, my whole philosophy of, of becoming happy or living a life of happiness is doing a lot of the, the little things every day, uh, but, but kindness. Kindness and and it's ab absolutely all about values and and if you live your values, then you're gonna you have to be in alignment with your values and you've got to live them, and if you ignore what's important to you, then you're gonna be out of sync and you're gonna be frustrated and you're gonna be unhappy, but if you're doing what's important to you and and what you're passionate about then you're going to be happy. And, and what's ironic and what's wonderful is you're probably going to be very uh, well off financially because if you're passionate about it, you're excited about it, you want to go to work every day, you're going to be on time every day, and you're going to do your job very well, and you're going to you be very successful. I love that you think that happiness is an important thing in business because so oh, many people separate the two. Absolutely. Well, but, but let me tell you this, Aileen, and I think he'll agree, is I've always found that if I can get people at the office doing what they like to do, and they're happy doing, they're twice as productive as I could ever make them through training, degrees, I don't care what. But get them in the right, what we always say, you know, let's get the right people on the bus in the right seat. Because I can't tell you how many people at the office have been three different positions. But we found the right spot for them because they were a good person. They just didn't have the skill set for this, so we moved them here, then this or that. And now they're there and they're, they're so happy. And I think that's why we... We have so many people who have been there that, that long because they're happy. Mike and Jamie, this is the part of the show that we call another great idea. Maybe you've got a friend like this, someone who's always got that great idea for you. They tell you about a job you should apply for, or that guy you should have a cup of coffee with, or a great investment opportunity you should jump on now. You can take advice like this and it turns out to be a disaster. You can dismiss this advice and miss out on something that may have turned out really great. Or you can take your friend's advice and it turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Do you each have an example in your life or career of a friend who had that great idea for you did you take their advice how did it turn out well I could I could tell you all <laughs> thank goodness I've had so many great mentors because I could give you 50 examples there but it sounds like a new show if if if, <laughs> if I think about it when and I share with my kids and friends or whatever anytime I can is I did have a customer who was really a good friend of mine and just one day we were having drinks and he said, you know what, Mike, American people don't make a living. They live on what they make. And I went, wow, that's so true because we all see people that make this amount. They get a promotion. They buy a bigger house, bigger car and everything. He goes, I'm going to tell you this. And he was older than me and much more successful. And he said, if you will live on what you make right now and every time you get a promotion or more money, you stick it in a savings account or an investment account, it'll be the best thing you do. Because I've told everybody in my life, and he's much older than me at that point, to pay yourself first. They don't do it. It's too easy to spend the money. But set your limit of, I'm going to live on this. And i tell you, I think it's because startling statement I heard the other day. There is, people have more credit card debt, there's, uh, I forget the percentages, 50 or 60% of Americans that are employed have more credit card debt than they have savings. And that, you can Google it and that's true. That's frightening to think you would wake up every day and know I have more credit card debt 
than I have in my savings account. So I would say that's the best piece of advice I ever got. That's good advice. And by the way, I do. I live in Karen Crow, where you are. So. Well, what what's interesting is that the advice that I got is almost identical. What but a surprise! I, I got it from my uncle Earl in Kearns, Texas, about fifty-five years ago. But what he did was he told me uh, he got me interested in stock when I was eight years old, and he said buy stock. And he gave me stock guides and, and really gave me all this information on buying stock. So when I started cutting grass in the summers to make money, I didn't spend all my money. I bought stock. And I feel like this is like an episode of Success Secrets. <laughs> and, Let's and just call it happy people. When, <laughs> later, when, when I bought Dexcom, I sold that stock that I had bought when I was a kid mowing wow. grass. But the lesson that I learned from Uncle Earl was to defer pleasure and not spend to save. And I think Mike nearly so, jumped out of his seat at that. So all my life, I've lived on what I needed to live on, and I've been able to save. And so it's been tremendous for my business. It's been tremendous for my wife and, and myself. And so I, I agree with you completely. Uh, there, there's this wonderful book, The Richest Man in Babylon. That's the, I think that's the most read book of all time or whatever. It, it, it yeah. should be. Isn't it incredible? I, yeah. I, I gave it to one of my employees yesterday that was having trouble. I buy them 10 at a time and yeah. I give them away. Yep. And uh, because one of my employees was having some personal financial trouble and I asked him, well, you know, how are you doing with your budget? And she said, you know, what budget? And What's I said, a budget? Yeah. I, I said, Hold on, and I went and picked up an extra copy of the book, and I said, here, read this. And Sorry, I'm not going to switch gears. I'm going to talk about what he talked because he's got real people on there. It's like, here we are talking about money and savings and everything. And, you know, is there a bank? I have one, but they're like one branch in this town. But is there a bank anymore where somebody, a young person, can go in meet the branch manager, establish themselves, and, and, and learn how to get credit and good credit when needed and all, all that kind of stuff. I just, I don't think you can. I got an employee that was telling me the other day they go into this bank, and I, they're going to remain nameless, but couldn't use the teller, said you have to use that kiosk. It's like, why? Because we're going away. You're going to have to use a kiosk. So he had to take his deposit, go to the kiosk. took 30 minutes. And it's like money and credit is too important to you as a person, good or bad. It's too important going forward for there to be nobody to teach you how to be responsible with that. Yeah, it used to be that there were children's savings accounts with sure. rewards. Sure, the and gold passbook account or whatever. And your dad could take you down to the bank and you met the bank manager, which mine was a female back in 1975. So because I'm looking at <laughs> And Pat Smith was her name. Just loved her to death. And I moved to two different states and never stopped banking with her. And then finally she retired, but it was like, I I thought that's what they did for everybody. Do you think we've gone too far and that yes. will all come back and, <laughs> yes, um, that it will come back and human contact will be even more important? There's going to be an, a segment of society, I believe, that will always want, crave this human contact and... I, I, I think absolutely. I mean, you, absolutely. You know, you, you're 
you know, you jokingly talked about a, a political question, and and let's not go there. But yeah. I, I do see things spinning out of control, and, oh. and and you know, the country is polarized like never before. And and I think a but lot of while the, there's still people that talk about happiness and business in the same sentence, we're okay, right? I, I, they're not. They're not enough people that are like that, though. I was I'm just going to say we're we're a minority. I think, and I, I mean, I am. Believe me, I am not second guessing for anybody, but we we love what we do. We 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 love life. We're very grateful for things that we have. I think, and you know, attitude of gratitude is is where it's at. But I hear too many angry people out there, like the person that owes more on their credit card than they have in the savings account. Well, hopefully more people will learn that happiness and business, are, they should go side by side. That makes, you know, that's what makes you successful, having both of those. Times are changing. We've probably been saying that since the beginning of time. For some of us, it's interesting small talk, but for others like you, Mike and Jamie, changing technology and shifting expectations are matters of commercial life and death that have repercussions throughout your business and beyond to the wider community. It's been fascinating to get a glimpse into what goes on behind the scenes in both of your businesses. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Well, Aileen, thank thank you. I, I'd just like to know, can we do an encore? Can we do part two? Because I'd love to sit down with him and you again and do this because yes. this was a uh, lot of Can I answer for you guys? Yes. Thank you, Grant. <laughs> this is this has been a genuine pleasure. Yeah. I, I've had a wonderful time. Mike, great to meet you. And Aileen, Same here, buddy. Great to be, yeah. great to be I here. I knew you two would be good together. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Mike Grimsley, Regional Vice President and General Manager of Town Square Media, and Jamie Hopper, President of Dexcom. You can find out more about Mike's radio stations and Jamie's humans by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer producer is Eric Morrell. Our researchers are Anne Christian and Ali Coates. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsacadiana.com, and on our It's Acadiana Facebook page. These photos were taken by Gwen Oakwin. You can find out more about Gwen at gwenoakwin.com. You can get this show and past shows as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and at itsacadiana.com. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsacadiana.com and krvs.org. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Marcello's Wine Market Cafe on Kelly's Saloon in Lafayette. Marcello's is open for lunch Monday through Friday and dinner Monday through Saturday, serving fine Italian cuisine with a full range of fine wines. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. I'm Aileen Bennett. Thanks for joining me today. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. The Out to Lunch Acadiana theme music, Encore Monsieur Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michel. Out to Lunch Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escaday. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. 
and by Sheward and Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Collie Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is a pet and family-friendly hotel with reception space for large and intimate events, free parking, free Wi-Fi, and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants.